Amen. Well, thank you, Tyler. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, this morning, and we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Of course, as has already been mentioned, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Actually, tomorrow is Memorial Day. And uh, always, as you know, like to give a little bit of a history lesson on many of our holidays. I think some people get Memorial Day and Veterans Day confused. Uh, but Memorial Day began right after the Civil War. And again, I, I, I think we fail to understand how traumatic the Civil War was for this nation. I, I've shared this to try to give you a little bit of, of, um, of context, but there were almost 700,000 men primarily who died in the Civil War, both North and South. And that was almost 2% of the population. Now, if you bring that forward to the present, and we were to have a conflict in which the same percentage of the population died, if you were in the South, that would be 11 million people. Can you imagine a, pop, a, a war where we lost 11 million casualties? Think of how many people would be missing. Every family would be lost Several people, many families would. Uh, in the north, that number was around 5 million. You know, if you bring it forward to today's percentage, 2% of today's population. So again, uh, imagine if you put them both together, say about 6, 7 million uh, people in our nation. Uh, imagine the trauma that this nation would experience if you lost 6, 7 million people in a conflict today. It would, it would be very traumatic. And so although we certainly had lost a lot of people in the Revolutionary War, it was nothing compared uh, to the Civil War. So, so many people were bereaved and so many people had lost fathers and brothers and, and sons. Um, th there were monuments that went up all over both North and South. And one of the things that happened was Memorial Day. Now back in those days, in the late 1800s, there was a... Federal Memorial Day, which is the one we celebrate, and you might still find it on your calendar. It's still listed on some calendars. There was a Confederate Memorial Day, and people in the South would remember uh, those who died in the Confederate service on Confederate Memorial Day. But then World War I came, and after World War I, Memorial Day kind of morphed into not just remembering the Civil War dead, but remembering both the dead of all the wars, both uh, World War I, or they just called it the Great War back then because they didn't know there would be a World War II, but the Great War and then uh, the Civil War and all of those who had died. So it became a time, and then of course World War II came and Korea, Vietnam, and then uh, the War on Terror that we still have today and, and the many numerous conflicts uh, through our nation's history. And I think I've shared before that if you go back and look since the founding of our nation, uh, it's been almost or a little over 1.3 million men and women have died in service of our nation. And that's what Memorial Day is. Memorial Day is a day set aside to remember those who have given uh, the last full measure of devotion, as Abraham Lincoln put it, uh, who have given their life for our nation. And I want to start out with a small video that, that gives us a picture uh, puts these words into a picture form of the sacrifice. And so, uh, Chris, if you've got that first video, if you could play that, we'll, we'll watch that. 
30 boys that went into the service. My brother Bill, he, he wanted to go in so bad. He was in the Air Force along with my other two brothers. They were in the Air Force also. They were all three pilots. He uh, went over to the South Pacific On the mission that he went on, he got shot down. On Christmas Eve, we got the message. And Bill was killed. And I think we all can say amen to that. We do express our gratitude and our thanks to those. You know, can you imagine living in a community that had no police force? Well, I, we'd all love to live in a community that didn't need a police force, but let's, let's don't, we don't have those type of communities that I know of. But I'm talking about the real world. Imagine if the Osceola Police Department was uh, disbanded. The Georgia State Patrol was put out of commission. Irwin County Sheriff's Department ceased to exist. Can you imagine living right now in, in this community with no 911, nobody to call if something happened? It would be scary, wouldn't it? You talk about gun sales, well, there'd be a rush on guns, I'm sure. Fences would start going up. Gates would start going up. I mean, folks would start barricading. It'd be Fort Apache all over again, right? You know, every home would be Fort Apache. You know, the, and, and, and we wouldn't dream living in a place knowing human nature like we know human nature without someone to help us, to protect us against the evils of human nature. And so it is in our world. As Christians, we preach peace, and we should strive for peace. But we also realize that we live in a wicked world. And I can't imagine that we would not be here today sitting in peace, uh, worshiping God, if we didn't have a military. If as a nation we didn't have people who were willing to both die and, yes, to kill in order 
to protect us and in order to let us have a nation um, where we can worship and we can have the political freedoms and and the economic opportunities and and all the worship, the, the religious freedom that we have, it would be impossible. And so until Jesus comes back and rules and reigns, it is going to be necessary to have a military, to have a police force. It's going to be necessary to have those who protect us physically from the dangers of this world because it is the nature of the world that we live in. So it is right and just to do as we do this weekend and as we do tomorrow and we do today, and that is honor those who are willing to put their life on the line and yet still today do, and to die and to give their life for our nation. And I want to transition, if I could, from that this morning in talking about those who have have given that last full measure of devotion and talk about something that they needed and that we need as well. And it is a subject you've heard me perhaps talk about before, but it is something that I need every day. I need this every single day. I need it today. You need it. And that is simply courage. Courage. I've often said this. It's one of my favorite sayings. It's no doubt been said many times. I don't remember where I first read it or where I first heard it. But that courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to move forward, the willingness to act in the face of fear. You know, you've often heard me use that example with faith. That faith is not the absence of doubt. I think often in a religious sense, in a spiritual sense, we try to conjure up a lot of positive thoughts and we think, boy, if I could just have faith and never doubt... But that's not really faith. That is an impossible goal is to have a point where you have no doubt about anything. That's impossible. You're always going to have doubts. But faith means that you step forward even in the face of your doubt. That you keep trusting. And so it is with courage. I've often said, you've heard me say before, that a man that knows no fear is a fool. Or, he's either a fool or he cares for nothing in this world. If you care for anything in this world, if you have love for someone or something, you're going to have fear because you don't want to lose them. You don't want to lose that relationship. You don't want to leave them. You don't want to die and leave them or you don't want them to die and leave you. If you love anything in this world, by nature, you're going to have fear. It's okay to be afraid. The The challenge is not to be paralyzed by our fear and not to be so afraid that we never act, that we try to build a little, I mentioned Fort Apache. You know, some of us, and it is so tempting, I've certainly been tempted and continue to be tempted from time to time to build my own little Fort Apache. I remember as a kid, uh, I don't remember if it was Christmas or my birthday, but I got a real Fort Apache YouTube it. 19, early 1970s Christmas gifts. One of them was Fort Apache. You had the little fort, and you had all the little cowboys and all the little Indians, you know, and you set up the little fort, and, uh, you know, now they just play it on Nintendo, right? You know, well, I'm way behind. Not Nintendo. What is it? It's PlayStation and, and all this other stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm even going back to the 90s there with Nintendo. Uh, you see how far behind I am. 
You know, but, but that idea of having that, that, that little Fort Apache, and often sometimes our fear causes us, we want to build our little fort, and we don't want to let nobody in our, our little fort. You know, that, that's fear. We don't want any relationships. We don't want any friendships. We don't want any commitments. We don't want anyone to challenge us. We simply want to be left alone. And what brings us to that point, I, I propose to you, it is fear. The fear of, of rejection, the fear of loss, the fear of hurt. But I, I present to you and I tell you that I need courage because God didn't create William Pope to live in Fort Apache. He didn't create you to live in your little fort. He created us to be social creatures. He created us to love others and to be loved by others. He created us to encourage and be encouraged. He created us to admonish and be admonished. He created us to interact with one another. That's how we were created. That is our purpose in life. Everybody's not a big talker. I didn't say you had to talk, but God wants you to interact. God wants you to be something to somebody. And in order to do that, we need courage because it's not easy. Again, fear tells us to withdraw. Fear tells us don't, you know, don't open your heart, don't open to someone else. But we need courage. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about how to have courage. I've used this quote before, but I love it. It's by Corey Ten Boone. And many of you know that Corey Ten Boone, one of my favorite people uh, of all time, she was a Dutch Christian who was arrested along with her sister and her father uh, by the Nazis during World War II because they had a hiding place. They called it the hiding place in their home. They would hide Jews who were being arrested and they would try to funnel them out of Nazi-occupied Europe. And someone told on them and they were arrested. Of course, during their time in a concentration camp, her sister died uh, because of the malnutrition and the sickness. Her father died not long after being arrested. So basically she lost her family during World War II in those concentration camps. But after the war, she became a great speaker for the Lord. She died, I think it was in the early 80s. Uh, but she said this. She said, do you know what hurts so very much? It is love. Love is the strongest force in the world... And when it is blocked, that means pain. There are two things we can do when this happens. We can kill that love so that it stops hurting, but then, of course, part of us dies too. Or we can ask God to open up another route for that love to travel. You see, often people build their little fort and they get inside their little fort because their love has been blocked and it has hurt and they kill it. They want to kill the love. And Corey Ten Boone was certainly tempted to do that. You know, you've heard me tell the story of her forgiving the Nazi concentration camp guard in a meeting. How he wanted to shake her hand and she couldn't do it. She said, I, I, I refuse to shake his hand, she thought. But then, in an overwhelming act of God's grace, she reached out and she grabbed his hand. And if you remember the story, she said, I think that never in my life have I felt the presence of God more strongly than when I reached out and I took that former guard's hand. See, it was a great sacrifice. It was a great act of courage for her to do that. 
But yet through her obedience, God infused in her a great love that she had never known before. And so courage is required to keep moving. Courage is required to continue in life when we don't want to continue. I love these verses, and there are several of them that I want to read to you this morning about courage. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. There the Lord telling the people of Israel, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Psalm 27, the psalmist says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear Him and delivers them. Psalm 56, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Isaiah 41, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 13, for I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 54, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Matthew 10, Jesus said, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Jesus again in Matthew 10, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Romans 8, the Apostle Paul, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Paul again, 1 Corinthians 16. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. Paul again, 2 Timothy 1. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. Hebrews 13. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say... The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And lastly, the Apostle John in 1 John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get fearful... The Word of God brings me comfort. I love verses like this. Verses that I can just simply notate, I can read, I can focus upon. And I want you to know there's power in the Word of God. If you are fearful, I would tell you take the Word of God and read it. If you're anxious, take it and read it. Meditate on it. Don't focus 
on your fear. Don't focus on your doubt, but focus on God. Focus on His Word. Focus on His promise. Again, I think it's a mistake. I know it's a mistake that I have made, and sometimes I still make. And that is, if I want to increase my faith, if I want to have more courage, I think about my doubt, or I think about my fear, and I try to relieve my fear, or I try to eliminate my doubt, but that's the wrong focus. If I want to increase my faith, or if I want to have more courage, I don't need to focus on my fear or on my doubt. I need to focus on Him. Focus on God. Focus on who He is. You remember when you were a kid? I've told a lot of my kid stories and uh, you know, when I was a kid. But, but uh, when, when I was a kid, oh, well, I'm going to tell you another one, by the way. When I was a kid, we, we lived in two houses. We really did. We had an old wooden house that used to be my great uncle's, but it was in kind of bad shape. And so the bathrooms and, and, and that part was kind of, uh, you know, not in very good shape. So we just lived in the living room part of that house. But then we had a single wide trailer that was connected to the wood house. And that was one they had bought that had better, you know, plumbing and all this kind of stuff. And so then that was where the kitchen was. But there were only two bedrooms, and we had three kids. Our mom and daddy had three kids, my two sisters and I. So, you know, the favorite children, the one they wanted to make sure were okay and close to mom and daddy, Audrey and Tracy, they stayed in the trailer in that bedroom. Mom and daddy were, were on that but one side of the single wide, and then they, they had a little bedroom to their self. And then I was over there in the old wood house that could burn down at any time, you know. <laughs> That's where I was. And, uh, you know, I remember my room was kind of partitioned off from the living room, but there wasn't a door to my room. It just had an opening where you went into it. So I remember I would be in there asleep, and I would hear, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, and I was a real brave young boy, I'm sure. But occasionally, you know, off in a big wood house right by yourself like that, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd hear something, or I'd have a bad dream, and uh, I'd be scared to get out of bed. You know, until I made this, this was what I always did. I would say, what would I say, anybody? Daddy. Almost. Mama. mama. Yeah. No, I, Daddy was a lot bigger than Mama. I should have called for Daddy. You know, I think he could have whipped most anything, you know, as long as they weren't armed. But it was Mama I called for. Mama! And if she answered... It might take a couple of times, but by about that third time, it was really loud. It was a loud mama. And she would answer, yes. And as soon as she answered, bam, I was up. And I, I knew my way in the dark. I went through that little hallway and jumped in that bed, you know, where I would be safe. Now, how did I alleviate my fear as a child? Did I sit there and start trying to rationalize? That really wasn't anything I heard. That was just the wind blowing through the window. That was just a dream I had. There's really no saber-toothed tiger under the bed, you know. What alleviated my fear? The presence of my mother. That alleviated my fear. Not psychoanalyzing my fears. Not trying to prove that what I was afraid of didn't really exist. What I needed to alleviate my fear was the presence of my mother. 
And you know, I think back, or I, I bring that forward to you and I today. That's what alleviates our fear. We can analyze ourselves to death. And we're still going to be afraid. The only thing that's going to alleviate our fear is the presence of our Heavenly Father. Focusing on Him. Getting in His presence. And then as Jesus said, no matter what comes, if it's death, no matter what comes our way, we're, we're going to be in the presence of the Father and His presence alleviates our fear. And so our courage has to be rooted in our faith. Not in reason, not in knowledge, but our courage is rooted because that's how we communicate with God. You know, we can't run into His physical presence, but we communicate and we know Him by faith, by trusting Him. I think about Hebrews chapter 11. I mentioned Hebrews 11 that we would begin there and we're almost through, but now we're in Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 27. You know, this is the great hall of fame of faith and my goodness, there's so much here in this chapter. It goes through all the way from, you know, Noah and, and Abel and Enoch and, and God's creation of the world. And he goes to Abraham and Sarah. And, you know, just the interest of time, we skip over to Moses there in chapter 11, verse 24. And, and it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see how his courage was rooted in his faith? By faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He couldn't see God but God had revealed himself to him through the burning bush and he had faith in God and that faith gave him courage. It gave him courage to stand up to the most powerful man on the face of the earth in that day, and that was the Pharaoh of ancient Egypt. Pharaoh was more powerful than any human being on the face of the earth. And little Moses, Moses stood before Pharaoh and he forsook Egypt and he did not fear the wrath of the king. Do you need courage? Your courage is rooted in your faith, in your relationship with God. That's where our courage comes from. It comes from the Lord. Then look over there in verse 30. He says by faith he's moved forward now to as the people of Israel have gone into the promised land. He says by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had perceived when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. And listen to this part, verse 34. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant, that means courageous or brave in battle, Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Faith was the springboard of courage. If you're full of fear, 
Don't analyze your fear. Don't focus on your fear. I present to you, focus on the Father. Focus on God. Focus on Him. Let your courage be rooted in your faith. And when that happens, if you look there in chapter 11, just a moment ago, I read this passage, but look at it closer. We're talking about Moses' courage. And he had faith, and what does it say that he, it caused him to do? That when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Remember this. Before Moses stood before Pharaoh as the deliverer of the Jewish people, before he stood in courage and defied Pharaoh... He first had made a commitment to God and to His people. And not only did He make that commitment, but He sacrificed because of it. What happened? Remember? You remember Moses' story. We talked about it just a couple of weeks ago. He was a Jewish infant and they were killing all the little boys and his mother wanted to rescue him somehow. She put him in a little basket and put him down the Nile River. And remember, he floated by Pharaoh's daughter who heard him crying. And uh, I heard someone say that an angel must have pinched Moses about that time. You know, when he got close to Pharaoh's daughter, so he let out a cry. She heard him, sent her servants in there. They brought the little baby out. And she, of course, being a young woman, she looked at this beautiful little baby boy you know, her heart went out to him. She said, ah, this is one of the Hebrews' children. No doubt they put him in here to try to escape, you know, being killed. I'll just take him. He'll be mine. So she adopted him and, and he became Pharaoh's grandson. Think about it. Remember, Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. He had everything. But here the Bible says because of his faith, because God began to deal with him, he turned his back on all the pleasures of Egypt, all that he could have had with the, as being Pharaoh's grandson and the, the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he made a commitment to God. He says, no, I turn my back on that. I'm going with God and what He's called me to do, which is to deliver His people. He chose, He made that commitment. And then He stood before Pharaoh. Remember I said our courage is based in faith and that often that courage based in faith, it requires us often to make a choice at some point. Are we going to commit to God? Remember what Jesus said? If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It takes courage. It takes courage to follow Jesus. It takes courage to do the right thing. And yes, sometimes it's going to cost you, perhaps financially, perhaps in a relationship, Sometimes it's going to cost you to do the right thing. It cost Moses. He turned his back on Pharaoh. He turned his back on the, being the grandson of the most powerful man in the world. And he chose, the Bible says, to suffer affliction with the people of God. But yet, when it came time for him to stand before Pharaoh, that is exactly what he did. Verse 27, he did not fear the wrath of the king. Now, one more passage and then we're going to wrap this up. Look there in verse 35. Often courage does require us to sacrifice as it did those in our that we remember today who have given their life for our nation. 
If you look there in verse 35 in Hebrews chapter 11, it says women received their dead, raised to life again. Others, you know I preached a whole message on that word others, because this is a wonderful book of victory, Hebrews chapter 11. It's so full of victory. You know, I've, I've jokingly said it ought to make a Baptist shout. You go through there and you read about, you know, this happened and that happened and Abraham and Moses and boy, all these wonderful things and everybody just wanting to say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, this is great. And then you get to verse 35 and there's that one word, others. And sometimes we might not be with Moses and Abraham. We might be with the others. But they were men of faith too. They were women of faith too. They were men of courage, women of courage. But what happened to them? It says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, in dens and in caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith. He's talking about not just the others, but he's putting all of them together now. Both Abraham and Abel and Moses and Sarah and these others who didn't have a wonderful, you know, fourth man in the fire moment. God didn't deliver them out of the fiery furnace. They burn up. You know, God didn't make the saw blades break when it touched their rib cage. It, it sawed through. They were sawn in two. They died. They were martyred. They did not receive a deliverance, but yet the Bible says all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. He's talking about all of those Old Testament heroes of the faith received the promise that was coming through Christ. That all of us, us in the modern day, and those in the Old Testament day, all of us through Christ received the promise of righteousness through faith. And then chapter 12, he says, Therefore... Because of all of this that he's just spoken about, these men of faith, these men and women of courage. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. You know what he's saying? He's saying you've got the home field advantage. You know, especially a football game, but, but, but being such a big spectator sport, everybody wants to have the home field advantage because you've got your people in the stands. And you make a good play, they begin to, they begin to cheer for you. And that, that gives those players an encouragement, an inspiration. And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying all of these people, Abraham and Moses, they're cheering you on. You've got the home field advantage. You have a great cloud of witnesses. And he's saying lay aside all the things that are holding you back and run with patience. Endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Remember how I said that's where we get our courage from, that's where we get our faith, not focusing on the problem, but focusing on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. I need courage to love, to live, to do the things that I know I need to do. You need courage. Where can we get it? I present to you from the Word of God that we get our courage from faith. From focusing on God. Not focusing on our fear. Not trying to eliminate our fear. You're always going to be afraid. But focus on God who can conquer our fear. Let courage flow from our faith. We're going to close. We're going to close a little differently today. We're not going to have a hymn of invitation like we normally do. But we're going to have about a two-minute video. Talks a little bit about courage. And this is going to be... Uh, We're going to sing a song after this video is over, and this will be our dismissal. But I want to leave you with two words as you watch this video. First is remember, and the second is courage.